even working from home, we want to make sure that we're taking the time to put in to the effort of how we approach our workstation, which again, a lot of us were thrown into being at home when it was never our goal to work Overnight. from home. Uh-huh. Sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so big things that I've recommended, if you're working on a laptop, get a Bluetooth keyboard or a separated keyboard so you can lift your de- your laptop up, get it to eye level, but then have your keys at the position you need to help keep your wrist healthy. That right there can help you. And that's a sneak peek of this week's episode where we speak with Dr. Melissa McDonald. Dr. McDonald is a sports chiropractor and also the host of the Mac Performance Podcast, where Dr. Mac brings you, the active adult, the information to keep you healthy and moving. No topic is off limits when it comes to the human body, brain, metabolism, stress, self-empowerment, and financial health. And speaking of financial health, if you are ever interested in scheduling your 30-minute complimentary consultation with me, email me at david at parallel financial.com that's david at parallelfinancial.com for questions about all things money related and we hope you enjoy the episode this is the weekly wealth podcast with certified financial planner david chuddick where we discuss the wealth building mindsets and tactics that can help you to build and maintain wealth for you your family and your business Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the Weekly Wealth Podcast, where we talk about the mindsets, the tactics, and the strategies to help you to build and maintain wealth. And if you've been listening to our podcast over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about mortgages. We've talked about uh, what uh, some forecasts with the markets and the election are going to be. We've talked about long-term care insurance. and, And typically, we talk about some financial instrument or some behavior. But today, we are really excited to have Melissa McDonald on, on the line today. And we're not talking money today. We're going to talk uh, performance. We're going to talk some health. And we're going to talk about some ways that maybe some of uh, increasing your health and your performance can even maybe help you to make more money and have better relationships. So, hey, Melissa, how are you doing? And uh, tell us a little bit about your podcast. Oh, I'm doing quite well. And basically, my podcast is all about health and wellness. It is the Mac Performance Podcast. Its goal is to whiplash you back into health, which as a sports chiropractor, it's kind of a play on what we play work with and what we treat. But I bring experts from around the world. I had a New Zealand nutritionist. I had uh, Australian health and performance specialists come on. I want to make sure I'm bringing in the experts to get you the best information to fine tune your life, be that from managing stress, managing general wellness and getting back to fitness, cleaning up your diet or getting your portfolio in order because finances can have such a huge effect on your overall health and overall body performance. Absolutely. And how long have you been in the uh, chiropractic industry? Yes. So I've I'm considered a youngin. I have been a chiropractor for five years. And in my two first five years of practice, I spent two years in a fellowship under a sports performance specialist that has been to basically every Olympics since Atlanta. Wow. Wow. And that was my primary mentor for two years, giving me the information and the background to kind of hit the real world, so to speak, and just take over, dominate within my area and collect. I work I work with everyone, but primarily I work with teams. Right now I'm the team chiropractor for Minnesota Roller Derby 
the Minnesota Pride, which is a professional women's football team, and our international team here in the Twin Cities, River City Rhythms. Wow, that is really, really interesting. So I've always been an athlete. I um, I was uh, I taught tennis. I was a tennis pro uh, in my early 20s. And I was always one of those guys that said, you know, these old people that are like complaining about aches and pains, that's never going to happen to me. They're just whining and complaining. And um, my knees are never going to ache. And, I'm, and then, you know, each decade, you start having these aches and pains and you start seeing that we can we can we can do what we can to kind of fight the the process but a lot of this may or may not be inevitable but but i'd love to learn some tips from you today to kind of slow down that process as well so cool so i i spend a lot of my day in my office and i'm on the phone i'm typing uh you know i'm just doing you know, for lack of a term, general kind of office setup type stuff. And then we had COVID this year, and, and I did a lot of that from home and um, was really interested kind of in for your feedback on, like, does staring at a computer, does being hunched over, like, how should we set up our desks and, and our workspaces so that we can not harm our bodies in, in the course of the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours that we spend working per year? Oh, it is so true. Being stagnant, not moving is probably one of the biggest reasons why we start to ache and have pain when we're older. It's the fact that we stopped moving. So when you're a teen to 20s, you're much more active, you're moving all the time. And then as you get older, you have to sit down, you have to get behind a desk. And that stagnation of our body, such as the physics principle, what stays in motion remains in motion we start to stop and we get squeaky. So it's important that we take the time to set up our workspace that we have to live in to be as ideally uh, organized as possible. We wanna make sure that everything is in a position that we're able to keep good posture. So when at office- So how do you define good posture? Cause that ah. probably from someone who's uneducated, that could mean a lot of different things. So what is good posture? Let's just start with that. So one, I will say this, there isn't a perfect posture, but what we're looking for is a position that you can remove stress on your body. So we're looking for upright, shoulders down, shoulders back, head up. We're trying to prevent that forward hunching roll. We're trying to keep our head stacked on top of the spine versus having our chin jut out, which we're starting to call text neck. And what that does is when our head is sitting atop our spine, there isn't some excess pressure on our neck. And this is why when you're starting to get tension headaches, you usually find yourself hunched over and just going to work. And you're like, oh, my neck is very tight. It all has to play with how our muscles respond. And there's research showing that with every degree forward, we put our neck into this flexed posture, we can add up to 60 pounds of pressure on our neck, 60 pounds. Like our head is heavy and our neck is small and we need to try to keep it as safe as possible and keep it upright. And 
This has become a really big problem for those working from home and using laptops because in our office spaces, we have the desktop where we can separate our screen from our keyboard. So our screen can sit higher, our keyboard can be down lower, we can keep better posture with our head and neck and keep our hands at a good posture to prevent the formation of carpal tunnel or some other uh, numbness or tingling going on in our hand from poor positioning. Now that we're working from home on laptops, there's not that separation. So you're either keeping your keyboard up so your neck is safe, but then your hands are little velociraptor hands yeah. and you're really putting pressure and you're getting numbness and tingling, or you're keeping the keyboard down, keeping good posture on your hands and getting bad posture into your neck. So how do you how do you fix that is probably going to be your next question. Well, so you're what you're telling me is sitting on the couch with a laptop in my lap is probably not what you would recommend. Uh, not for an eight hour day. No, oh, yeah. mm -hmm. <laughs> definitely not for an eight hour day. It's one thing to maybe for 30 minutes or an hour of the day to just be like, oh, I need a new position. I'm sick of being at my modified desk. Maybe just for a little bit. It's a good breaking pot for an entire day, it's really going to have you break down one, you're not going to be as productive because mm -hmm. you're going to be comfortable. When you're comfortable, your brain's not firing as quickly and you're more likely to want to take a nap. And that's just, that's not good for business. That is so true. you want to be in a position that puts you in the mindset of the activity you're doing, which is if you need to be in a high stress, high power position, you need to be up. You need to be engaged with your work. It's going to put forth a better mindset because our body is connected. How we think, how we look, how we feel all ties together to the work we put forth. That's Absolutely. why there's the saying dress for success. Yeah, there's no question. So I have a setup at my at my office, and I also work from home. Um, but at my office, I have a stand up platform. And my monitor is literally at eye level. So I am looking you directly in the eyes right now. And it's honestly, it's almost like we're in the same room. But I also I don't have any of that hunched over posture, which um, uh, I'm sure is good for a lot of different ways. And I know that Aren't there studies that standing up straight increases testosterone production and 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 everything else? So I think there's just a lot to that body language, um, in addition to the uh, to the uh, the physical benefits as well. Yeah, there's a lot of research stating like go, before going into a job interview, assuming the Superman pose. Mm -hmm. Assuming positions of power can help change your mindset to best push you into being and representing yourself in a like. Because think, when you first see a person, what do you assume? They're hunched, their arms are crossed, they're not approachable, they're not engaged. Versus if someone's standing up, arms at their side, welcoming smile, you're like, okay, this is the person I want to go to. So even working from home, we want to make sure that we're taking the time to put in to the effort of how we approach our workstation, which Again, a lot of us were thrown into being at home when it was never our goal to work Overnight. from home. Uh -huh. Sure. Mm -hmm. So big things that I've recommended, if you're working on a laptop, get a Bluetooth keyboard or a separated keyboard so you can lift your, your laptop up, get it to eye level, but then have your keys at the position you need to help keep your wrists healthy. That right there can help you. Yes, having a stand-up desk 
or I prefer a sit to stand. So you can kind of move back and right, forth. Right. Mm -hmm. Having that is awesome. It's probably not something you have access to at home. So are there ways you could create those, like maybe setting up a station at a counter in the kitchen mm -hmm. where you lift the de uh, the laptop up so you get to the eye level, you still have your hands at the right position. So just kind of creating spaces with the situation you have. Now, I know that's not always perfect when you have kiddos at home, home and you're trying to accommodate and work through those different activities, that's where it kind of gets challenging. You might only have one space and that's in a back bedroom with the door locked, sealed and with a sign on the door saying parents working. You kind of got to work with the situation. Yeah. At hand. Sometimes the best you can, can do is the best you can do you yeah. know, based on, on the, and it's better than, it's better than not the best that you can do for sure. <laughs> now, one thing that I try to do as well is, you know, I have a supercomputer in my pocket at all times, just like, just like you do. Uh, but I try as much as possible to not answer emails on my phone just because, I mean, what do you think, you know, with your professional background, I mean, what's going to happen to the human race from texting and emailing all day? I mean, what are your concerns there? So I think, first of all, we have a tendency to be like, oh, I got an email. I have to respond to it right now, which during the workday, great. But at night, we need to be comfortable with putting down our devices and not and having a respected family time. Like, hey, uh -huh. this is my time I'm spending with my family. I'm not answering emails, which is incredibly hard as a business it is owner. Hard. Mm -hmm. It is. Oh, it's traumatizing. But we need to start having that respect and balancing our time. When it comes to actually holding our phones, yeah, that puts a lot of pressure on our neck. Because again, as I said, the further you flex your head forward, which is what you have to do to text, you're getting 60 pounds of tension and pressure on your neck. So it's important that if you are gonna respond, be silly, hold the phone up to your eyes and text that way. But yes, I try to avoid answering, especially if it's gonna be a long drawn out email. Mm -hmm. I try to prevent myself from using my cell phone. I try to answer on my computer or I use voice to text. That's a good and, idea. Yeah, yeah, I haven't gotten in that habit. Yeah. So I just use voice to text and then go in and correct it or just put a note at the beginning. Hey, I used voice to text. So please excuse any kerfuffles and wording. You know what, though? I think that's a good thing. The other thing, I, I do believe that sometimes we set unrealistic expectations that any email is going to be answered within 22 seconds or less. And 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 then you're you're we should always give great service to our clients and, and vendors and everything else. But is getting a return email at 10.03 p.m., is that just too much? Because then the next time an email comes in, they're going to expect the same thing. And if it doesn't, then it'll be perceived as bad service. So uh, another thing that that we can all do, and I have uh, during my, 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 on my business email is an autoresponder. And sometimes, you know, just to give clear, clear expectations, you know, I answer emails between this time and this time. And if you have a question about this, please email this person, because that's not my department. And, um, you know, and that can certainly, because we need to help our clients for sure, or else we don't have a business, but we also need to have some, have some, uh, have some guardrails in our own lives so that we're not having to do everything or feel like we have to answer emails um, at midnight for sure. So, so I just, I had a birthday recently and my Fitbit that I had uh, for about seven years, it died. Um, and I'm, but it actually, it, it, uh, it, it counted many, many, many steps for me, but I got a new Apple watch and the Apple watch keeps telling me to stand up and do all kinds of different things. So 
What are some things that the office type person can do during the day to just get blood flowing and talk about some of those benefits and just some simple things that can be done? Ooh, what a great question. So when it comes to actually getting blood flow and getting movement, it's it's important that we do it. So I always recommend that at least once during an eight hour workday, you go for a 15 minute walk. Just get up, go for a walk, which right now, especially at home, people aren't moving as much at all. And when they were in office, now they're just feeling the pressure of, oh, I got to get caught up on everything that I didn't get done while I was at home. And they're less likely to take that time. So take when at home, there's a refrigerator too. And honestly, a few <laughs> handfuls per day of just whatever that temptation is over a few months, you know, then the COVID-19 becomes the COVID-25 or more for sure. Oh, yes, it does. Having easy access to food is one of the challenging pieces of monitoring our weight, monitoring what's going on. So uh, I have I have issues with boredom eating and I acknowledge that. So I, even though we don't have young children in the home, have safety locked all our cabinets. So at least it takes a little bit of effort. And then I have self-judgment to go, you're not actually hungry. You need to drink some water. You're thirsty. But Absolutely. taking 15 minutes, getting up, going for a walk, getting the heart rate up, really important. Now, when you're working at the office, I like to set one, the Apple Watch is great. When it says stand up, that's a great indication to get up, move, and do some quick stretches at your desk because it wants you to stand for about two minutes every hour. And this is one really good for preventing any uh, vascular changes in your legs. So your varicose veins, your spider veins, when we sit for too long, it breaks down the valves in our legs. And that's why you get those. There are other reasons and causes, but it's important to just remain moving and that's going to help prevent those. So good stretches. One is to stretch your neck simply by turning, looking down to the opposite foot, placing the opposite hand or the same side hand, and just stretch. And just holding that for like five, 10 seconds is gonna help loosen up the back of the neck. The next is chin retractions, which is super cute, but instead of flexing your head forward, you're gonna retract your chin. That's gonna stretch the back of your neck. And that's just gonna help kind of wake up, get your neck into a position of just feeling better. You then have- Well, I didn't realize how tight my neck is until I did that first one. That's crazy. <laughs> You don't, it feels good. You it don't feels good. And it's five it. seconds. Yeah. It's literally five seconds on each side. And my neck feels really good right now. That is insane. <laughs> so it's just simple things. And then just standing up, stretching the back, placing your hands in the middle of your back, arching your stomach forward, just letting your pelvis translate in front of your toes, bending forward, touching your toes, just simply getting some basic fundamental movements is just going to help your body feel better. When your body feels better, your mind's going to be able to work harder and you're not going to have as many distractions from pain and discomfort, which can really lower your productivity. Yeah, no, I love that. And I've always heard that we're kind of a product of all of our small decisions or non-decisions. So something like literally taking a minute twice a day to do some simple stretches could, I think that could be life-changing. I really do. Or, or not taking that action can be life-changing in, 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 in the opposite direction. Because I do think that aches and pains and just a little bit of lack of productivity over time can make a, 
a huge, um, a huge difference uh, for sure. So like how much does our flexibility decrease as we age? I know that you've kind of talked about, you know, the body changes and, and we, we, we kind of think that it won't, and I'm going to be Superman and I'm never going to, my body's never going to change, but unfortunately it's changed. So do we just, is it kind of a foregone conclusion that we're going to be less flexible and also talk a little bit about, is that different for males versus females? So it all depends upon how you treat yourself. Cause I'm going to tell you absolutely not. I have seen the male or female 80 year old yoga instructor that can pretzel themselves tighter than the 20 year old. It all has to do with how we take care of ourselves as we age. And about every 10 years, our body changes and requires something different. So where you might start off as a marathon runner, you might switch to swimming later on, you might switch to weight training, you might even go into yoga. You kind of have to listen and figure out what's gonna be your body's best recovery. So if you go do a workout and it takes you four days to even be able to effectively sit on the commode, because of how sore you are, that's probably not the right workout for you because one, you're going to be like, oh, I don't want to do this because it took me out and I wasn't able to work. So you need to find the activities that keep you active, keep you moving, but yet don't overwork you because we're really looking for you to be active 30 minutes, a, uh, 30 minutes a day for five days a week. That's really our goal. And you is there even, something magic about the 10,000 step or is that just kind of something that Fitbit and all these watches came up with? I mean, do you think that's a number that means anything? You know, I don't think it's a bad thing. I, I think it's looking at the fact that how often when we drive to our office, we walk in, we sit down, we occupy that space for eight hours. We might get up and go get food. We eat, we go back, we leave, we go home and maybe we have 2000 steps. That's it. Yeah, I, that's, I'm at 2000 if I don't work out. And, and that's probably not a whole lot. And so I think it's more to get you aware of the fact that if you went and walked for 30 minutes, you would get five, 6,000 steps. So then that two to 4,000 that you got throughout your day, then you'd have your 10,000 steps. So it's trying to push people to take the time to be active. And it's a not horrendous goal. It's not an insane goal, but it is something just to kind of help you reach that 30 minutes of activity five times a week. Sure, sure. Now, I mean, a long time ago, I and some colleagues and I, we, we had a push-up break every day where we kind of all set our phones and we would just knock out push-ups at like 11 o'clock or anything like that. And that was just really cool because number one, we did it and it's easy to do anything for a day or two, but when you have some, some, uh, you know, some buddies that are going to text you and say, Hey, did you do your, your, your stupid push-ups?" You don't want to say, no, I didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you also want to say, I did one or two more than you did. So I don't know. I mean, do you think maybe some accountability in office settings for people who are now back in public could, could, you know, make some games or, or have some community in, in some, some exercises? Oh, absolutely. Having accountability people, having accountability buddies when it comes to being active, when it comes to making changes is fundamental. We'd like to say that all of us have the mental wherewithal to be like, I'm going to eat healthy from here on out and never eat sugar. Mm. Yeah, sugar tastes Uh, good. (laughs) There's some tastiness that you're giving up that your body's going to go, but 
I really want my mocha frappuccino, please and thank uh -huh. you. So it's one of those things where we need to make small sustainable changes and we need to have a support system to make sure that it happens. And whether that support system be in office, whether that support system be at home, we have to have accountability because yes, we work best under peer pressure. And when we have peer pressure behind us going, hey, did you do it? And you have to be like, no, oh, I feel bad. Oh right. crap. It encourages you to do it. And it helps you develop the habits and patterns and recognize I feel better when I do this. And because you feel better, then it becomes self-sustaining. So one of the quotes that um, was almost life-changing for me is in James Clear's Atomic Habits, he says, we don't rise to the level of our goals. We fall to the level of our systems. So think about any goal you have and think about if there, if there are systems in place to help you to either do or not do the daily activities that would get you to that goal. And if the systems aren't there, guess what? It's just, a, it's a wish, you know, it, it's just, it's never going to happen. I've run five marathons in my life and uh, you know, my best one, I guess was okay for, for a quote, normal person. The last one that I ran was I was 43, 44 at the time. And I hadn't run a marathon in 13 years and it was by far the slowest time. And it was the most difficult for me to find the training time with three kids and everything else, but it was the most rewarding. But as you tell people I'm running a marathon, you'll get, you'll get some version of, Ooh, I could never do that. I don't have the time to do that. And, you know, you and I have different amounts of everything except for time. That's the only thing that you and I have the same of. So if you're watching the bachelor or the bachelorette or reality TV, you're not, um, you are not, uh, you know, you're not running. So if, it depends what you, you know, you can eliminate a lot of different things to give yourself time to run. So uh, that was just kind of a, a system that I, that I put in place. So. Oh no, it's so true. We don't, we don't acknowledge all the places that we waste time. Uh -huh. And the places that we could reallocate that time to putting it towards our own health and well-being. Absolutely, and and TV, and if you've ever checked the um, the screen time on your on your phone, it's scary how how just the phones they steal time from us, and we allow them to to steal it from us. But um, those smartphones are incredibly useful tools, but they can they can they can take your life from you as well. You can be how much of your day do you really need to be spent on on social media mad at people of the other other political party? They're not changing their <laughs> opinions. You're not changing your opinions. So maybe if we're just not mad at each other, that'll solve at least part of the problem. And go out and vote for who you want to vote for. That's okay. So what do you think about like thoughts and 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 the mind connection and you know, some people think that's kind of weird frou-frou stuff and, and other people really swear by it. So what do you think about kind of the, the mind connection with performance? Oh, I think it is fundamental. This is why for athletes, there's now sports psychologists, uh -huh. whether that be improving their performance or coming back from injury, we're utilizing their mind-body connection. When we're looking at patient, when I'm looking at my patients who have pain, I'm looking at them from the biopsychosocial model, bio being physically what's wrong, social being what aspects are affecting them. And, uh, uh, social being family biopsycho and the mental health. So biopsychosocial, their body, their mind, their community, how is it affecting them? Because if you have anxiety, 
doing something. Maybe you have to go give a massive presentation to the board of directors in your office. And every time before you have to do this activity, you get a headache, you get nauseous, you have a physical effect of what's going to happen when you enter that room. You have to address that, that psychological anxiety that's giving you physical symptoms. So when I have patients come in, I have to ask, when does your back pain, if we're looking at low back pain, when does your back pain get worse? Oh, it gets worse before you have to drive before this activity. Okay, what about this activity is stressful? Oh, well, 10 years ago when I was doing this activity, I sustained such and such an injury and I always have... I get anxious before I have to do it because of fear of having this injury that caused the fundamental reason my low back hurts. Well, until I address that, I'm not going to be able to make them better. So when looking at performance in the office, you have to go into your activities with the strongest mindset possible so that you're not having physical anxiety symptoms. So you're not letting that social demeanor that you have affect you physically. So it's really important that you have a strong focal mindset, whether that's utilizing meditation in the morning, whether that's utilizing for those who aren't good at sitting and just being quiet in the mind, maybe it's also doing yoga. So you're getting a physical activity while doing a mind focusing activity. It's really important that we have control of our mind because it controls the rest of our body. It's why we feel symptoms. It's why we replicate symptoms. We have to have full management of it. Yeah. So I use a business coach and and one of his, um, uh, he's really big on a morning routine. And one of the things that he had to start doing is, is meditating. And it, some people think, you know, weird meditation kind of out there. No, this is just, you download an app and it's, 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 you know, and it just talks about being mindful of your thoughts. And, and what you learn is you literally can't go one second without having your mind wander. And if you just improve to where your mind can go two seconds without wandering, and then just being aware, hey, my mind is wandering, and I'm thinking about stuff that I wasn't trying to think about. And then, you know, during the day, you might start recognizing some of the negative thoughts that we may have, or maybe, you know, you might have a thought that, Hey, my patients don't take me seriously or take my advice or, or my, I may have a thought that my client won't, um, won't take my advice. But if I recognize that, and if I kind of bring myself back to thinking about all of the other uh, clients that have taken my advice and, and look how better off they are and how happy they are, then that can kind of put me back on the same, the same track mentally. So I do think that mental is, uh, is huge, huge, huge. Uh, do you have any tips as far as, you know, you said that you're a boredom eater and, and that kind of goes to the, me- and if we all only ate when we were hungry, nobody would have any extra pounds. So I'm a stress eater. I'm a boredom eater. You know, I, I, I don't necessarily eat when I'm just because I'm hungry. Uh, any, any tips on kind of the mindfulness as far as eating or any other habits? Yes, actually, when it comes to eating and being an emotional or boredom eater, we're letting the food control us. We're really letting the food take over our lives and we need to shift that mentality. So one thing that I've noticed when I boredom eat is I'll go in the kitchen and I'll stare aimlessly. I'll open the fridge and I'll be like, oh, I should just make a sandwich. Then I'm like, no, it's like three in the afternoon. It's not actually a meal. I don't want to eat a whole meal. I'll just grab some chips. And I grab some chips and I eat my chips. 
Well, then I'm not satisfied. So then I go back to the kitchen about 30 minutes later. And, and when I look you look in the refrigerator, there might be something different in it next time, yeah. right? It never right. happens, then, but that's what I'm looking for. And then eventually I get sick of getting up and down and I just grab the bag of chips and I mindlessly eat the whole entire bag of chips versus acknowledging the fact, okay, I, I really actually think I'm hungry. I'm going to, and I'm going to make a sandwich. I'm going to put a selected amount of chips. I'm going to put some veggies. I'm going to put some healthy things and actually just eat. And since I've stopped kind of going with societal norms of eating and eating, so I have this sensation of hungry, I'm going to make myself a plate of food. I'm actually eating less and not binge snacking. Yes. Does that mean sometimes I'm eating my dinner at three in the afternoon? Yeah. But that works for, and I, I'm, all I have to do is take care of my husband. We don't have any children, so we can kind of get away with this, but that's given me control to the point that now I'm no longer snacking in the afternoon. I'm only eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Maybe I'm having a, like a tapa snack where I'm having some, some cheeses, just a nice kind of balanced fat carb um, protein meal. Cause I'm more concerned with the macros. I'm less concerned with the calories. Uh, having that in the afternoon before having a late dinner, that's really been working well and helped me gain control of my emotional mindless eating where I'm not just eating an entire bag of pretzels because they're there. And that's the thing that I can do. I generally eat really well during the day because I can really control my environment at the office, but you get home and we don't eat horribly as a family, but there's a small amount of junk food for the kids. And I don't think junk food is the end of the world. Our kids are very active, but um, you know, I look at the bag of potato chips and I gain weight. I don't even have to eat them. I just look at them. And um, then I have these three, uh, I have twin 13 year olds and I have a 17 year old and you know, their metabolisms are just slightly different than mine. And one day they'll understand uh, uh, that you don't just get to eat endless potato chips and, uh, and not gain weight. So well, cool. Well, tell us um, a little bit about your, how can anybody get in contact with you uh, for, for your services and, and, and tell us the name of your podcast again. And, and just, you know, it, to me, I, I've always felt like we need to have our money in order. We need to have our health in order. We need to have our spirituality. We need to have our relationships in order. And, and while I focus primarily on money, I don't feel like it's the most important one. I think it's kind of equal. And it looks like, you know, you kind of focus on all of them, but health is, is your biggest, uh, biggest part of that stool. So, so, uh, you know, where, where could we find you? So my clinic is located in the Twin Cities here in Minnesota, and it is called Mobility Agility Chiropractic Performance, which is where you take the first three letters of Mobility Agility Chiropractic, you get MAC Performance. There you go. I was very proud of myself for that. And so clinic, uh, podcast, I'm also on all the social media outlets, so Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, pretty much all under the same handle of Mac Performance or Mac P Clinic. And I'm happy to work with anybody who needs help or help you find a provider in your area to best benefit you. Since I am, I am restricted to helping people within the areas I'm licensed, which means Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, I've got you. But huh. past that, I've got to refer you to someone. 
Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, Dr. Melissa McDonald, I appreciate this time. I feel like we've covered a lot. And uh, this is stuff that really just on a daily basis can can change your life. And um, I know that we're going to have a, um, a document on describing some of those stretches, and we'll put a link to your podcast. And uh, we just appreciate the fact that you're helping our listeners uh, in their in their quest to kind of build and maintain wealth, we're also helping them to to make the small activities that will help them also to uh, to maintain their health in addition to their wealth. Until next time, we appreciate uh, we appreciate you. Oh, thank you. This was so much fun. <laughs>